The information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision-making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts. Hello, this is Mo Bina of High Rise Capital, and you're tuned into Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. All media seems to be going niche right now. Hey, this is Adam, the host of Dream Chasers, and now it's time for a little ad. And this is completely genuine, off the top of the dome messaging that I just want to deliver to you here. In past episodes, we've done a little ad for Raise Masters, the number one mastermind for elite capital raisers. And I've just found that ad to not be as personal as I would like it to be. So in a nutshell, I just want to let anyone listening right now know if you're looking to improve your capital raising skills, whether it's in the world of real estate, business acquisition, nonprofit organizations, I mean, you name it, the principles taught and the principles that we dive into behind the curtain here at Raise Masters. Uh, by the way, you can go to raisemasters.com and there's only two buttons there. There's one to log into your account and two to check out our upcoming webinar. So check out our upcoming webinar and dive in. I just got back from a trip to Austin, Texas, where we were hanging out with 40 of our 100 members. And I gotta be honest, it was an experience unlike any other that I've had before literally unifying with people who are all on the same mission, same journey, heading the same direction. And it's just cool, you know, thanks to our great leader, Hunter Thompson. It's really cool to be able to now deliver the tools that he and I have created and put together to individuals who are looking to simply level up their game when it comes to raising money. And you could be someone who's getting ready to raise your first half million dollars. You could be someone who's raised 50, 100, 500 million dollars. There's still so many fundamental key takeaways and nuances in the curriculum that we've seen for ourselves work at all different levels of raising money. Anyways, it's time for a genuine commercial. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. As I mentioned, Adam Carswell, host of Dream Chasers. This is completely off the top of the dome, and I hope you've received some inspiration, maybe a little bit of curiosity to see what the heck I'm talking about. I want to encourage you one more time to go to raisemasters.com. If you're already a member, go ahead and log in and dive back into the content. <laughs> and two, um, if you don't know what we're talking about here, just click that button there. It says register for upcoming webinar. Would love to kind of run you through what exactly we've got going on here because it's been a lot of fun building this thing and we're just getting started. So one more time, raisemasters.com. And also thank you for listening to Dream Chasers interviews with the future. It's time for the episode. Jeremy, my amazing producer, take it away. This is Dream Chasers, episode 181 with Stuart Heath. Hey guys. Hi, Grandma. This is Adam Carswell, and welcome to Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. On Dream Chasers, we bring next level talent to the light. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's get straight to the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. I'm your host, Adam Carswell, and today I am joined by a good friend of mine. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to know him over, I was going to say over the years. I can't believe it, Stuart. It actually hasn't been a year yet. But, uh, it's we're not been a year yet. <laughs> Closing in on it. Stuart Heath, the CEO and founder of Harvard Grace. Uh, Stuart's based out of Tennessee, which definitely got some questions for him here today as him and I were talking kind of before the interview in the green room. There's a lot of going on in Tennessee that I'm just fairly interested in. So I'm happy to have you here. And uh, oh, I almost forgot to say too. Hi, Grandma. Hope you're tuned in. 
Um, but yeah, Stuart, if you could just kind of fill in the gap here, um, you know, tell our listeners a little bit about how you and I got connected and then, um, yeah, your, your life story in five minutes or less, if you can. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, that, that's easy. Well, uh, you and I got connected through Raise Masters, a uh, mastermind that I joined uh, back in the spring. It's been a, a, um, a tremendous investment for me. I've never done a mastermind before, and and it's been a very pleasant surprise. Uh, you know, it's uh, pioneered and engineered by Hunter Thompson, and uh, the quality of the content and really the quality of the people that are in this group is just top notch. I have already more than uh, made back my investment in Raise Masters, and I'm only half a year into it. I'm very bummed I didn't get to make the meeting in Austin. I bought my ticket. And I then, think I saw your name on the roster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I was on the roster. I bought the ticket you know, when I the first day that I, that you could buy tickets and had to travel and had to cancel them for um, for family conflicts. But I have my ticket to um, the January event as well, and uh, so I'm gonna catch up and and uh, meet some of these uh, good folks in person. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I guess you, when you say the January events, like my marketing instincts are kicking in. We got to say... Please, hey. please. I don't want to say it wrong. So. Oh, no, you're good. Yeah, the Intelligent Investors Real Estate Conference. There, there you go. Go to uh, IIREC2022.com for more information there. Uh, continue. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and if for no other reason, it'll be in, uh, in LA in January. So, uh, you know, it'll be quite cold and miserable here uh, then. So uh, it's just a good excuse to get out of town. But anyway, going back to my uh, life story, I'm born in Birmingham, but for the most part raised in Middle Tennessee, where I still live today. I'm a CPA. uh, So I've practiced uh, at a CPA practice up until about 2011. I left practice at that time and, and went in, took jobs with other companies, so I wasn't doing public accounting. I was being uh, COO and CFO for other companies uh, until about 2017, at which time I left and I wanted to go back and do what I had always enjoyed doing as a CPA, and that's being a fractional CFO for small businesses. And so um, I'd actually formed Harvard Grace in uh, 2010 before I took a job, but uh, continued to run some you know, side hustle gigs uh, as um, as CFO along the way. Did that full-time in 2017 and now have uh, a staff of four where we are fractional CFOs for about a dozen different companies right now. Strangely, as it happens, um, a lot of these companies have uh, some real estate piece to them. So I end up managing their real estate for them as well as being fractional CFO. Back in about year 2000 through um, 2009, uh, I became an active real estate investor. I started out with duplexes and condos, and I ended up with about 200 rental units and uh, also got into home building and development. We bought a uh, condo development of 72 units and rehabbed those and did some office development uh, there in Cool Springs in Franklin. And, um, you know, I got caught by the financial crisis and ended up having a financial reversal. uh, I think it's the polite way to say that these days. So um, have lived through that, uh, have learned a lot of what not to do. That basically comes down to the E word, 
equity, if you would, you know, because back in the day, real estate prices were going up and I would buy one thing today, wait a year, refinance that property, pull cash out, buy another property, and then just stair-step that. And then one day the parade was over. And uh, so there was, uh, you know, a reversal of property values and sort of the whole house of cards. Say all that, you know, with equity, uh, there's probably $10 million of real estate in gross values and um, anywhere from $300,000 to $500,000 of equity, you know, cash in probably would have uh, allowed me to um, to ride it out uh, to the other side of the financial crisis. So, um, but, you know, I was doing everything um, really with no cash and it was fun while it lasted, but it, yeah. but it didn't last. So, so you, I mean, the experience checkbox check, <laughs> yeah. you've really, you've covered a lot of different sectors, especially when it comes to real estate and finance. I'm, uh, I'm curious to know, you know, you got to throw this out there. Sure. Are you currently for hire as a CFO? Someone listening right yeah. now is like, hey, you know what? I need a guy like Stuart. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I've actually picked up two clients from Raise Masters just this year, uh, and uh, which was not expected at all. But um, yes, we are. Uh, we are selective about our clients because they're uh, because as CFO, we go on the inside and we partner with the owners and we become part of the management team. And so there's got to be a cultural fit there, uh, as you would want with anybody on your team. Right. So it's really not a consulting thing. It's, you know, we've come in, it's part-time. It, we're your CFO, we're just part-time. So you just got to know it's a shared resource. So, I mean, we're in there. But yes, we are expanding and uh, I will talk to everyone. Would love <laughs> to talk. I mean, part of it is I just like, I love talking to people and finding out how they make money. And as a CPA, that's, I've, that's I've liked anyway, that right? for 35 <laughs> years. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, yeah. Thank you for the clarity there. And um, sure. guys, if, again, if you want to reach out to Stuart, I just dropped the link on the live feed here on Facebook and I'm, we're going to get your information for sure uh, in the show notes and by the end of the interview. But to shift gears here a little bit, you know, I was meditating before our call today and I'm like, man, what do I, what do I want to know? <laughs> yeah. I'm talking to Stuart. I can, I can get you to kind of share things that I think that our viewers and listeners would would want to hear. And that's always fun. But I'm like, man, what about, I'm really curious and learning more personally about Tennessee. Yeah. Texas and Florida are the most moved to states in the US right now, as far as I can see, as far as the numbers show. And for good reason. Uh, meanwhile, there's a little diamond in the rough there that I think a lot of people still aren't paying attention to. And that is the state of Tennessee. Um, maybe the world is waking up to a little bit, but what is so compelling about Tennessee? I kind of I kind of know a little bit, but just from the grassroots, tell us what is so compelling about Tennessee right now that is bringing this you know influx of new people to the state. Uh, well, the short answer is you know quality of life. Yeah, I, I'm a little bit maybe not qualified. I've lived here my whole life, you know. So uh, <laughs> I go to I go to downtown Nashville and you know see things that I hadn't seen before. And, and what's funny is the parts of town that I was never allowed to go to when I was a kid are now the, it they've been completely redeveloped. <laughs> uh, and now that's where all the great restaurants are. And Nashville has always had a very multifaceted economy. And I think Tennessee's probably a little more popular than what the, uh, the charts in the, in the media may be caught up to. Yeah. Because I think we're, 
either three or four of the most moved to places, at least from from the people who are leaving California. Right. We get new um, corporate headquarters announcements about every week. And we talk about Tennessee, the whole state's great, but it's mainly Middle Tennessee. It's mainly Nashville. Facebook has put a big operation. In, um, Amazon, uh, you know, we were in the running a year or so ago for HQ2, mm. which nobody really knew was HQ3, 4, and 5. Which is also kind of funny how HQ2 just so happened to land right next to the nation's capital. You know, they're, they're not yeah, working. Yeah, it was, it's just, that was fascinating, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I actually thought it might go to Huntsville because Jeff Bezos has a rocket engine plant down there through his Blue Origin company. But Amazon, even after HQ2, has put an additionally large distribution center and administrative center here. And then I'm not even sure what it is. They announced something else uh, last month uh, that they're bringing. So, I mean, that's about 15,000 jobs. Oracle has moved a ton of people to Nashville. So a lot of it is are people coming with jobs, but you know, we've been a healthcare center for a long time. We've been a, um, of course, music city, you know, if you're into country music. And what I can't quite understand, but I guess it is fun, is, you know, it's now a destination, just sort of a fun weekend to come to Nashville. And I go down there um, to downtown and I see pedal taverns going by, you know, where people are pedaling and they're serving beer going down Broadway. And it's like, what in the world is this? But people come, you know, for the for the live music scene and uh, lower Broadway uh, is um, it's a destination where people like to go and have fun. And it's uh, most of the year, it's very pleasant weather. You know, there'll be a, a few weeks in January where it's too cold to walk around, but most of the time it's just a pleasant place to be. And it's a really good quality of life. I think conventions come here. We have the Opryland Hotel uh, and Convention Center, which if I'm not mistaken, is the largest area under one roof in the country. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. And they keep expanding (laughs) it. And so, you know, we hold very large uh, conventions and meetings here, Uh, but it actually goes beyond Nashville. Nashville is certainly the impetus. Yeah. And and you're right about the Nashville piece too, which I'm not thinking about until now, but there's still other major cities in Tennessee that probably haven't experienced this Nashville touch yet. Memphis definitely being one of them. The only thing that comes to mind for me with Memphis is reputationally. I know right now it's known for crime. I do yep. know it's also known for, um, they have some type of uh, maybe train station or something where it comes to industrial transactions that happens there. It's like the intersection of a bunch of major railways, something like that. So anyways, what are your thoughts on the other Tennessee markets? I do want to talk about, I know like Murfreesboro is one and there's all these other suburbs around Nashville, but do you think that like Knoxville, Memphis, the other major Tennessee cities are going to see a little bit of a ripple effect in the next maybe decade? Oh, I think all the major cities in Tennessee are having um, significant growth not quite measuring up to Nashville, but as most Southern cities are, uh, Birmingham to the South, massive growth, Huntsville in between Nashville and Birmingham, massive growth. And there's different reasons for each, but um, Chattanooga is having a lot of growth. Again, a very pleasant city to be in. It doesn't have the industrial attraction or the entertainment attraction, but it is really close to the mountains over there. Knoxville, 
is um, perhaps one of my my favorite big city in Tennessee. Uh, it just if you like the mountains, it's just a hop skip over to the Smoky Mountains, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, and again, very pleasant place to be. But Nashville has it all. You know, it's got professional sports. It's I'm got, waiting to see when a baseball team and I feel like an NBA team and a baseball team are destined. <laughs> for Nashville, like it's a matter of time. I think so. And we've got the facilities. We have hockey and we have football. And, you know, all of that, I guess, adds to uh, the mixture of what's in in Tennessee, uh, what's in Nashville. We've got seven or eight different colleges in Nashville. Vanderbilt, which is a member of the SEC. So, um, you know, they're not always the most competitive in football, but all the major programs come to Nashville to play Vanderbilt every in year. In SEC, we're, we're not talking about the the guys that are regulating your real estate deals. We're talking about a. We're talking about the real SEC. The real. The there we go. That's Eastern how I know you're from Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know, I haven't taught college football in a while, partially probably because I I live in Canada now. But um, real quick, how's college football going right now? I think I saw Georgia's number one. Is are any of the Tennessee teams contending this year? Uh, well, Tennessee, uh, the Tennessee Vols are, um, they've been coming back from a real tough uh, slump. Uh, and actually, their defense looks pretty good to me. I'm kind of, I'm is. an Auburn fan. Okay. Uh, I went to Auburn. Oh, wow. And um, I'm glad we don't play Tennessee. Were you there when, when Bo Jackson was there? Actually, I was. What? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's my favorite athlete of all time. I think Bo Jackson's the, the greatest athlete ever personally. That's awesome. I saw Bo Jackson and Herschel Walker play in games against you for two years. I've um, been told that I'm related to Herschel Walker too. I, Papa Carswell, you can do the research on that one, but <laughs> um, you know, he's running as, to be a Senator of Georgia now. So is um, he really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he announced officially uh, maybe a month ago and he's already racked up so much money for his campaign coffers. Sure. I'm and, sure. I will be surprised if he's not the next senator. You know, there was one runoff they did last year. So uh, okay. I think he's going to run against that that seat that's coming up next year. So, you and I, when, some other time we're going to have to talk about Bo Jackson. So, uh, that's Bo, awesome. Bo, yeah. <laughs> he is one of my favorite people. Um, and um, I was one year ahead of him. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, an incredible athlete. Uh, you know, he also played baseball for Auburn. Right. I mean, he was baseball, football. I think he even did track and field while he was there. It's yeah, just... he did. Uh, and, <laughs> Broke every yeah. record, you know. Yeah, he probably still holds a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, I just remember walking to class. Some days we just stop off at the baseball field and you, you just you just see a track meet. I mean, he when he comes up to bat, I mean, it was basically a home run every time. So, <laughs> Love uh, it. To see somebody that large run that fast. But I mean, that was what was amazing with with Herschel Walker and Bo Jackson. I mean, just on the same field, you know, both of them just destroying defenses, but we digress. So. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm happy. I didn't realize that you were into any type of athletics. So it sounds like you are a football guy. I am an SEC football fan okay. uh, and, and sometimes SEC basketball fan. I'm, I don't, I don't even really call myself a sports fan because there's so much I just don't pay attention to, but I follow SEC football. Yeah, and Tennessee's where Hunter went and um, coming to mind yes. right now. I know Peyton Manning also went there. <laughs> yep. So. Yep. I, I mean, Tennessee, uh, I mean, all all the years I've grown up, Tennessee has been a uh, perennial power of the SEC, but it's been down for a while. And I think they're on their way back. I okay. think they're going to 
they're going to surprise some people this year and they're going to beat up some people next year. <laughs> you heard it on Dream Chasers first, folks. That. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's my prediction. <laughs> so you said quality of life is definitely a perk there and compared to other states, observationally, yeah. that's... it's Low taxes. Yes, that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to get to next. So let's cut into it. I mean, there was something recently in Tennessee's legislation, I believe, that was passed or something with taxes where it's you know, kind of on that Florida and Texas level now. What was that? Yeah. Well, uh, Tennessee has never had much of an income tax. People used to say Tennessee doesn't have an income tax, but they have an income tax that's called the Halls tax, which the legislature has been signed is now being phased out. And it was a simple 6% flat rate tax on interest and dividends. Not all interest, not all dividends. It's very complicated to calculate. but Mainly, it was a tax on retirees, you know, because rich people could figure out how to uh, do a corporate structure and get around all that kind of stuff. But so it's basically a tax on grandmas. And so and it never generated a whole lot of money. So the legislature finally saw the light and just let's get rid of this thing. And so Tennessee will soon be a, a state without any income tax. We do have a corporate income tax that hits LLCs and corporations. So the next thing we got to go to work on them on uh, is that corporate tax is called the F&E, the franchise and excise tax. That franchise tax of that equation makes it a little expensive to hold real estate inside an LLC or a corporation because it you, what they make you do is they capitalize the value mm. of the property. So if you buy a $10 million building, uh, you, you're going to have a, a tax on that at a rate of 0.0025 per year. And it's not a killer, but it's it's a different tax than a lot of other states have. Right, right. And with your experience, is there a way to position yourself to not let that affect you when it comes to potentially investing in a Tennessee? Uh, you can use a different structure. I, I actually got to go back and check whether or not that applies to a limited partnership. It does not apply to an individual. It does not apply to um, you know a general partnership. I have to check on LPs. So you, you, know, you can pretty universally switch between an LLC and a LP, but but I, I think it does. There are exemptions to that rule if your entity that holds real estate is eighty uh, percent or more owned by family. So there are some exemptions, but they're fairly limited. They're not going to work for us doing syndicated business. So. Nice. And then I got to know for uh, for all my crazy freedom lovers out there and personally, actually, so I I don't have any firearms or guns or anything, but I know Florida and, and Texas are known for being more friendly. And actually, in my recent trip to Texas, I had a moment I'll never forget. And someone said, Adam, do you know why? Like people normally don't rob gas stations in Texas. Do you know why? I'm like, no, it's like because <laughs> there's a gun behind every red. Just don't you don't mess with Texas. <laughs> I was like, that's brilliant. I kind of like that. So um, I'm sure there's some people from this California movement too that are interested in knowing, you know, what does that look like? Is Tennessee uh, favorable when it comes to like gun laws? I'm probably not using the right terminology. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it's very favorable. But first, let me say there would be no Texas without Tennessee. If you go back to your history, oh wow, the reason we're the volunteer state is because when it was still the Republic of Texas. Many volunteers came from Tennessee to go down there and fight Mexico for Texas 
and it carried the day. So, wow. um, so we like to remind them, you know, they, they talk about everything's big <laughs> in Texas and, you know, we just want them to remember there's no Texans without Tennessee. I like that because I've, I've never looked into why Tennessee was known as the volunteers for uh, you know, like the football or the, the school, the university. Yeah. And, you know, and, and at the time, Texas was a different country. You know, it was the Republic of Texas. So, right. Uh, the Lone Star State. So, but yes, Tennessee is very uh, open. We now have what's called open carry. For the last 10 or so years, we had um, a carry permits where you took a class. I have one. I don't carry, but I have the permit. And now that's, we don't even need the permit. It's just open carry. Uh, and you can just assume that at least every other person is carrying in Tennessee. So we're very nice. Much like that. <laughs> Uh, so I, I think uh, convenience store theft will be declining you know, even from its low levels. So. Right, right. Because I, I don't know. I'm just such a firm believer in the headlines and not telling the truth. And, you know, call me crazy, guys, anyone out there if you want. But I, I feel like an environment like that actually encourages more security. And, um, you know, the bad guys, wherever the bad guys are, they're always going to find a way to get their hands on something they shouldn't have their hands on. So that's cool. <laughs> well, you know, the uh, the statistics bear you out. and. Uh, where there's open carry, there is less crime. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. So I'm trying to think of some more real estate nuggets for those who are interested in investing in Tennessee. We'll say um, Nashville in particular, because we talked a lot about Nashville so far. It is kind of getting to that, um, from my observation, Austin, Texas level, where it's like, okay, everyone knows there's opportunity there. What's the next market near geographically near Nashville that no one's really? paying much attention to also without, you know, if there's a certain market that you're looking at, like, Oh, I don't want to talk about it. No, that's, that, that's, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's all over our website. So um, okay. <laughs> I like Nashville. There's a lot of opportunity left in Nashville and there are some great developers. Some of them are raise masters that are working in yeah, uh, Nashville. And, uh, and one of them's actually also doing a deal in Huntsville uh, right now. And th- that to me is, um, my company is based in Spring Hill, Tennessee. We're doing an office deal right there in Spring Hill right now. And there's a, a bypass, big bypass that goes on either side of Nashville, about 20 miles either side, called I-840. And to me, south of 840, down into northern Alabama, uh, through to Huntsville, down to I-565, which is an interstate that cuts across the middle of northern Alabama. And I've just sort of called it the 840-565 corridor. This, to me, is the market that nobody's talking about. There are a lot of people talking about Nashville. And I'm not saying Nashville's overdone, but there isn't a lot of attention in Nashville. Uh, and there's a lot, some national interest in the, in the Huntsville market, too. But there is uh, pressure coming up the north from Huntsville. And then you mm-hmm. got pressure uh, coming down south from Nashville. And so there's some uh, little gems in between these markets uh, that uh, there's going to be great infill projects and value-add projects and new development projects, I suspect, for the next 20, 25 uh, years, longer than I will be at it. So, um, and Huntsville is uh, is a really interesting town in itself. Uh, it's, um, but I can give you the Huntsville story in about a minute if you want. So, okay. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to hear that. And then also just yeah. how much distance is between the two cities? Sure. Um, about 100 miles. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. I didn't realize they were that close. Just because you hear two different states, you think that they could be far from each other, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And so, so Huntsville, 
Back in 2008 was a city of a couple hundred thousand people. NASA is based there. There's a big research center there called the Redstone Arsenal, which is an army facility. And literally, uh, Huntsville boasts the highest number of PhDs per capita than any other city in the nation. And literally because they're they're rocket scientists. It's kind of funny because I think internationally, I know my wife was like, was as I'm kind of educating her on uh, American geography. She had it in school, but, you know, we're in Canada. Um, So she's like, isn't the reputation with Alabama to be like, I don't know, like stupid people? And now, now you just say that. It's like they have a reputation for having the most PhDs. That's kind of funny. Well, Huntsville does, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm born in Alabama, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna combat the reputation. So no, I think uh, it's changing it, definitely now. I, you know, I think everybody's got their share of stupid people, but. Um, <laughs> well, that's Newfoundland, where we live. Newfoundland in Canada is kind of the punchline for. Oh, is that time. right? Yeah, Newfoundland is kind of like the Alabama of. Uh, I'm gonna. Oh, have funny. Some, I'm gonna have some people here definitely mad at me for saying that, but <laughs> comparatively, <laughs> not too far off. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, so in 2008, with the Base Realignment Commission, you know, the nonpartisan commission that that realigns military bases around the whole country. So several, about four bases were closed and they consolidated the entire Army's purchasing effort in Huntsville. So you had several new commands come in 2008. In, in 2012, they added some more. And in addition to that, uh, there's been more and more um, research being done. You know, the Star Wars under Ronald Reagan was based, was done in Huntsville, uh, you know, the Missile Defense Initiative. And there's just all kinds of secret stuff that, um, you know, people are working on down there that they can't talk about. Right. But with the impetus of the additional military commands uh, has brought lots of soldiers and contractors. And now um, the Huntsville MSA uh, has increased to about 400, 425,000 since 2008. And now it's industrial because Toyota and Mazda opened up a plant earlier this year. Actually, uh, they might have just started an engine plant. They're both making engines. Toyota already had a plant there. Uh, Facebook has a major facility there. Remington, going back to guns, they have a major facility there. And because there's a high quality workforce in Northern Alabama. And again, low taxes. Alabama has an income tax, but it's relatively low, low property values. So um, it's just a good place to be. So Northern yeah. Alabama is, and Birmingham's a cool city too. I mean, there's not. I just, yeah, I just met someone from Birmingham the other day who I was, um, no, I was, I was just really impressed with his story. But how yeah. much further south is Birmingham from Huntsville? Um, it's about an hour. Okay. Yeah. It's, Let's it's just pull up my maps far. here. <laughs> yeah, Birmingham will be about three hours generally from, from Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe Birmingham's another hour and a half. And it depends on where you're going in Huntsville. It could be an hour or an hour and a half. All of them just really easy to get to. So um, the infrastructure is good. Yeah, it's really like a, wow, now that I look at it, a little bit of a triangle with Birmingham, Atlanta, and Nashville. Alabama and Tennessee and Huntsville, Nashville, those are the hot markets as far as real estate that I keep hearing about. So sorry, I think you were going to say as far as that opportunity between Huntsville and Nashville, I'm looking at it on a map now. (laughs) Um, There's more land on the Tennessee side. So is that kind of where you're focused? Are you looking at anything north of, is there anything north of Nashville really? Or I'm sorry, Huntsville? Not really. 
not much, not until you get into the, the Nashville. And you get down to Murray County, which is two counties away from, from Davidson County. We're now, and, and, you know, there are population centers. Now, there are opportunities in some of these towns like Tullahoma. And um, is this is this showing up right now? Can we see it? Yeah, yeah, I can it's, see it's that. the first time we've ever done a screen share. Now I think about it on, on Dream Chaser. So if you're listening on audio, make sure you follow the link in the description to watch this either in, on Facebook or YouTube. <laughs> yeah, go go due north of Huntsville, and so and I'm I'm right there in Fayetteville. That's where I live. Okay, I've heard of well, yeah, Fayetteville in Tennessee. Okay, in yeah. Tennessee, Fayetteville. And so um, the hazel green and. Hugely, they're they're exploding. They're exploding. Yeah, and and have been for several years. Harvest is a big area, so you can see the population centers there with those lighter blocks. But there's opportunities in Fayetteville. There's opportunities in Columbia. There's opportunities in Lewisburg and Tullahoma and Winchester, especially if you're a multifamily guy. Um, But you know these are areas that uh, you know major developers won't go to. So you can do a strategy to sort of hit them where they aren't. But I, I wouldn't avoid the big population centers either. Um, right. I'm not that interested in going into Nashville just because I like my 845-65 uh, envelope <laughs> corridor there. So, well, yes, yeah, so actually, where, where's that corridor you were talking about? You said... Okay, zoom in. Um, let me see if I can... Oh, so I'm, my... in, I'm in Fayetteville now. Maybe I should have given you the screen controls here. <laughs> That's all right. You go north. Uh-huh. You know, drag down up to where you see Nashville, keep going. Okay. You'll see 840 cutting east to west up there. This one, right? There it here. is. There it is. Yeah, there's 840 yeah. right there. So that cuts through um, Williamson County, which is one of the richest counties in the nation. Okay. And so below that, Thompson Station, Spring Hill, Columbia are all going gangbusters uh, and with a lot of some suburban office and multifamily opportunities. Murfreesboro has been going, has been exploding for years. Yeah, that's what I've I've heard of Murfreesboro before. That's why I mentioned it earlier. Uh, fabulous town. They had a sleepy little college there called Middle Tennessee State University. That's right. Uh, the leaders over there have turned that into a very significant Tennessee school with great business program, and uh, you know it's just attracting a lot of people living in that area because it's a nice area. All right. Yeah, I could. I don't know about you. I'm I'm like a geography nerd, even though I didn't know exactly where uh, Birmingham was earlier. I could look at a map all day and just be like, oh, what about here? What about here? What about here? Well, so, if I turn my camera around, you'd see maps all over the wall. In oh, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with nice. you. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, all right. So one more thing I want to talk about, because we brought this up when we were just having a chat before we went live. But, um, you know, what is it about the world of podcasting that is kind of creating this new movement of attention. As you kind of said to me, where, where are the things and where are the followers? Where are the listeners coming from? And you also alluded to this, which is a lot of the information that most of us are looking for. We can't really find it on the news anymore. It's on platforms like this. And you know, you, you can name a, a million of them, literally. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess I'd like to know for you, how have you been, I think you said it was CNBC, you've got it on. Um, you know, someone who's been pretty up to speed on what's happening in the world and with the news. Are you uh, experiencing this change now with podcasting for yourself? Yeah. And I guess I'm coming a little late to it. And I'm, <laughs> I'm the older generation, certainly a lot older than you, but uh, some of it is just figuring out how to work it into your life. But it, there's, 
huge information. You know, we talked about some of the podcasts that um, that I like to listen to, and they're just most of them are so rich in data and information. Hunters, uh, and you know, he's such a trendsetter. You know, I think he came out with his first podcast a month or so ago about cap rate compression. Everybody's talking about cap rate compression now, <laughs> and, and I mean, and I heard it on his first and. and you know, what a what a great analysis, and that's that's real real information that that we as sponsors and, and investors need to know. As I said, I like Ellis's um, podcast as well, and again, it's on point and it's just real useful stuff. Which to me, I didn't think was even knowable, even if it wasn't uh, on CNBC or whatnot. I didn't know where to get it. So there's just yeah. some really, just a really high quality and, and a high number of people that are putting out good content right now. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head here and we'll, we'll wind it down. But you said certain things that you didn't even know <laughs> were knowable. And yeah. we're just seeing that happen more and more now in this space. I think numbers really, it still is a big deal, but I remember it was a really big deal when Rogan inked his deal with Spotify and everyone acted kind of like, wow, this is crazy, like so much money, et cetera, which it, it is and was. But I think that's just the catalyst for what's coming to this space. There's going to be a lot more <laughs> talking heads, inking crazy deals that people never thought would have happened. And what was once the news channels is, I mean, if everything is truly centralized, good luck, whoever centralizing it, controlling all the podcasters. Right. Yeah, this is a further extension in a new medium, you know, since it started with cable TV, you know, in the 1960s. And then it goes to satellite and all these different channels where you watch what you want to watch kind of a thing. So niche, niche, niche. So this is just an extension where people are listening to the topics, you know, and people will listen to more than one topic. People will listen to sports podcasts as well as investing podcasts and and whatever they want. So all media seems to be going niche right now. Yeah. So real quick, I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit more about Harvard Grace and what you guys are working on right now. Um, if you do have a current offering or anything where you'd be looking to connect with, again, other, I guess, capital raisers or passive investors. I mean, you name it. Kind of just tell me where you guys are at and who you're looking to get connected with right now. Yeah, thank you. Um, so uh, I've been talking about an office deal privately now for several months, and I had a seller that was stop, go, stop, go. Well, I finally got my contract last Thursday. So um, uh, hopefully by Friday, we will be launching um, some marketing for our raise. I've got half the money that we need committed. So we're buying an office building in Spring Hill for just under $4 million. Uh, we're gonna raise about 1.2 million and about half of that's committed already. And you know, I'm not counting the soft commitments from all the people who said, yes, send it to me. I'm interested when we get it. So I hope to get that locked up, but we'll talk to anybody and everybody who wants to learn about it and would love to you know, make new acquaintances and meet new people. Yeah. This has been the major effort of ours this year. And I, I still think we got a chance to close it this year. The appraisal is already done. And uh, so that's usually the big wait around here is waiting on the appraisal. So that will be our deal for 2021. And, you know, hope to do uh, two more next year. We're already sort of working on that. Awesome. But nothing to talk about there yet. Okay. Well, yeah, for that deal or any of the ones to come, is the best way to get in touch with you through your email? 
Uh, my email. So my email is Stuart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T, dot Heath, H-E-A-T-H, at harvardgrace.com. Okay. Uh, you can also uh, reach me at harvardgracecapital.com. Find out how to get in touch with us there. And you can find my Calendly link there and um, grab some time with me. Uh, would love to talk with anyone who wants to chat. Yeah, I'm going to drop the email in our Facebook comments as well. So anyone who's tuned in right now or on the replay, that's how you can get in touch with Stuart. And um, I got to ask you one more fun question here too. And I love, it sounds like you guys are look, are going left when everyone else is going right. Because I'm sure you've had a few people go, office? Hey, you, I know. And why are you investing in office? Everyone's going that way. And oh man, I, I, love, I love hearing that you guys are doing an office deal. So uh, what's the story right there as to why you're looking at office and why this well, is Well, gonna- the short answer is, all real estate is local, is it not? So, uh, you know, and going back to the whole media thing, most media is generated out of New York or LA. So I understand why they don't, why they're not interested in office and they think office is dead. Our building is full. <laughs> and I had to turn down a bank today because I didn't have space for them, you know, and and I'm, I'm working on that for them too, because I think I got an angle, but, um, all real estate is local. Most office buildings um, in the areas that I'm focused on are doing quite well, and they're getting lease renewals and rates are going up. What actually happens, you know, we, we saw some people come to us and we, we were all trying to figure out what was going on last year. Some people you know, say, okay, uh, we're going to renew, but we want to renew for a short term. Yeah, okay, got that. So what happens to a short term lease? Well, your rates go up. And then if they stick around, then they want to renew again. Well, your rate, you've already reset the platform for the rates. So any short-term renewals are probably going to turn into longer-term renewals, but at higher rates. Mm. So um, the cap rate for for Nashville-based, this is just off of a recent appraisal, office buildings is, is a seven cap, which compared to multifamily seems high, but it's actually down a point from where it was two years ago. Okay. You know, and that will change based upon credit quality of your tenant. And in a suburban office, you will end up with, you know, perhaps more moms and pops and sort of B credits, uh, maybe not national players and stuff like that. So maybe you're at um, seven and a quarter, but full is full and oversubscribed is oversubscribed. So, you know. Yeah. Just a very interesting way to look at it. Definitely. Um, a contrarian way with good reason behind it too. So if you guys are anyone out there considering investing in uh, an office, just go back and rewind that clip real, real quick and hear Stuart's take on it. And um, yeah, Stuart, thank you again so much sure. for uh, investing your most valuable resource with us here today. Your time has been a complete privilege and honor. I think I see behind you, we just finished reading Traction at ASIM Capital. That's a good one. And then uh, I think I see Hunter's book buried in there too. So yeah, it's there. It is there. Yep. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I actually uh, help some clients go through the traction process. Oh, wow. Love traction. So, great uh, book. Great book. Okay. I got to ask you for your um, your final words of wisdom. What's your go-to nugget for uh, our listeners and viewers here today? Um, i just go back to something we were just talking about. When you're trying to learn something about a new area, maybe it's a type of investment you're not done... Seek out those podcasts. There are hundreds of them, and it's a great way to 
passively learn about a new area that you want to find out about. I imagine that's true among areas outside of investing, but me adding that to my uh, daily life has been been a tremendous learning experience because, you know, one of the secrets to success is being a lifelong learner. You can't stop learning. Yeah. Love it. Love it. That's a great nugget too. I've never heard that before. And so guys keep that in mind. Also might as well, while you're at it, go ahead and hit that subscribe, smash that follow, like whatever it is button where you're tuned in on. We really appreciate your time here today with us on dream chasers interviews with the future. So to sign up, I'm Adam Carswell. That's Stuart Heath, the founder and CEO of Harvard Grace. Thank you all for joining us here today. We'll catch you in the next episode. And remember, in all you think, say, and do, take it to the next level. Thank you once again for investing your most valuable resource with us here today, your time. If you enjoyed today's episode, please drop a five-star rating and a review below. Take a screenshot of it and send it over to nextlevel at carswell.io. We have a present for you. We really appreciate you guys leaving those reviews because it really helps with the overall SEO and visibility of the show and allows us to continue to bring on high quality guests. So once again, thank you. And remember, take it to the next level.